Hello, everyone, and welcome to a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. This is 10 Minutes on an Essentials Guarantee. Joining me today is my colleague, Hannah. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. It's good to be talking to you today. Uh, and I'm Rue. And um, we've got a subject today called the Essentials Guarantee. Just in a sentence or two, Hannah, just help us to understand what exactly are you talking about when you say an Essentials Guarantee? So uh, JPIT's denominations um, are involved with a campaign calling for the social security system, so benefits, universal credit, to ensure that nobody goes without the essentials they need to get by in life. At the moment, um, universal credit isn't currently based on an objective calculation of what things cost, the things that we need in the day-to-day. And so we're asking um, for an essentials guarantee that embeds in our social security system uh, the principle that at a minimum, universal credit should stop people going without the essentials. So that would look like um, enforcing uh, an objective calculation of what the essentials cost that would be done on an annual basis for the adults in a household. And then ma- maintaining that universal credit standards allowance. So the core amount that people are paid through universal credit meets that level and isn't reduced by deductions or the benefit cap that would pull it below that point. Now, I'm not someone who has had to experience receiving universal credit and I'm thankful for that. I realise there are other people here listening to this podcast who perhaps are in receipt of universal credit and it has been a lifeline for them. So are you saying that actually what people have been receiving isn't enough? Yeah, so currently benefit levels are basically the end result of kind of a historical sequence of events and that might be successive rate changes Um, based on inflation, welfare reforms, political assessments of how much we can afford to spend on the welfare system. So the rate of universal credit that's embedded in the standard allowance, which is kind of the main block of of universal credit that you'd receive, isn't linked to any objective measure about what people need in order to to get by in the day-to-day and afford the essentials. So universal credit um, kind of, I suppose, comes in, in blocks. So everybody receives the standard allowance and then people might get more depending on their circumstances, whether they have children, whether they um, are qualifying for disability payments. But it's the standard allowance we're talking about here. Um, at the moment, um, the universal credit standard allowance for a single person is £85 a week. Um, but what we're looking at, at through the essentials guarantee is a minimum that that would need to be is £120 a week in order for somebody to afford the essentials. So there's, there's quite a big gap at the moment between what people are receiving and actually what um, charities are calculating as the need to the needed amount to afford the essentials. That's a huge shortfall. That's £35 a week less than people need to actually live. Uh, that, that seems absolutely crazy that we would perpetuate a system like that, which is really undervaluing people as well and undervaluing their, their rights to to live in a way which is appropriate and you're not even saying you know a way that's extravagant just in, in a way that is uh, by just receiving the essentials so what kind of essentials are you talking about here so um the main categories within kind of how we're calculating what the essentials would mean would be food and non-alcoholic drinks electricity and gas water clothes and shoes communications tools that might include your phone internet postage travel and then all of the extra bits like toiletries, cleaning materials, um, trip to the hairdresser, those sort of essentials, the, the kind of core things that, that fall into that gap. We're not looking at um, housing cost or council tax that would come separately. So we're looking at the kind of day-to-day spending here. Why then do these people who are running the essentials guarantee, why do they think they know better 
than the government. I mean, hasn't the government done its homework already on this? So uh, it's the Joseph Rowntree Foundation and the Trussell Trust who are behind the Essentials Guarantee campaign along with a whole group of charities and organisations who are supporting them. I think the big difference between the group of charities who are kind of calling for this and the government is the ability to to perhaps take a step back and look at the system from a non-political view. Um, to tie this to um, conversations with people with lived experience of poverty about really what they need in the day-to-day um, and to do that kind of objective calculating about uh, if cost weren't the issue, if kind of political questions about what we can afford wasn't the issue, how much would people need? And to be able to pitch that back to the government to say um, actually the the erosion of the welfare system over years of not kind of keeping up with inflation um, or taking kind of operating benefits based in line with inflation as a political choice. It's really important that actually we are able to take that step back and look at it from an objective basis. I think that's what Joseph Brownshaw Foundation Trust Trust are bringing to this conversation. Uh, I'm really almost holding up that mirror against what um, the choices, the political choices from the government have been um, in order to say we can and we, we should be doing better than this. Some people might argue though and say that, you know, there maybe there's been an erosion in uh, the provision for people who are uh, are experiencing poverty. But haven't we got other organisations in the UK, you know, like like Castle Trust, for instance, uh, who help support, you know, half the food banks that we have in uh, the UK? Um, Isn't that what they're for? To support those who are in need of food and toiletries, and we have food pantries and so on available around the country for people. Why should the government be changing their policy? So we often talk about the social security system as a safety net of helping people um, ensure that they never fall below a point where they're able to survive. Um, And actually, at the moment, our social security system has been so far eroded um, that things like food banks, hygiene banks have become the norm. That we look at them and say, aren't they supposed to help people? Um, But actually, we shouldn't be getting to a point where anybody is in such dire need that they have to resort to charity in, in order to be able to make ends meet, to to feed their children, to keep clean. Those are basic human rights um, that actually our, our social security system isn't supporting, isn't helping to maintain. So it's really um, essential that those um, charities and that support is there for people when they absolutely need it. But it shouldn't be, it should be a last resort. It shouldn't be the first resort for people in order to make ends meet. And actually if we're uh, aiming to have a social security system that acts as a safety net it needs to do so in a, in a much more practical way and I think um, a really big thing for us as as churches as Christians um, is saying how can we ensure that our social security system maintains people's dignity doesn't get to a point where people don't have any choice where people are forced to rely um, on the charity of others and aren't able to uh, make their own opportunities to choose from the options that they have before them to make independent choices. We can put as much dignity into our food bank system as possible. Um, but actually the biggest uh, the biggest thing we can do is give people the independence to make choices by themselves because they have enough to make ends meet in the day to day. So how many people in the UK do you think are currently living without essentials. So the Joseph Roundtree Foundation estimate that 90% of low-income households on universal credit are currently going without the essentials. So these are the people who absolutely need universal credit to survive. It's their main source of income. 
um, and uh, 90% of them are falling below the amount that they need to to pay for the essentials. Nine, nine zero, ninety nine percent yeah. of people who are in receipt of universal credit don't have enough to pay for the essentials week by yeah. week. Wow. Something that we really need to flag. It's good that we've got organizations behind the essentials guarantee who are saying this. What do you think we could be doing to support this essentials guarantee? Um, is, is this something that churches would be able to get behind or individuals? What would be the best way for us to try and do something? Yeah, absolutely. So we're at the stage of the campaign where raising its profile is really important. So raising it with your member of parliament is a really important step to be able to um, help them see the work that's going into this, the calculations that are going into this. The Joseph Rancher Foundation have produced a really detailed analysis um, about what this would cost, how we'd make it happen. The work is there. So actually our job is to hold that before MPs and to urge them that this is something we think is important. So you can go onto the Trussell Trust website and you can write to your MP there. Or even better, if you're a church community who's passionate about this, why not go and visit your MP at their surgery or invite them to a meeting where you can talk to them collectively um, about this call for an essentials guarantee. Um, you can read up, get all of the information, but but the details are there from JRF and Trussell to empower you to have that conversation well with your MP. Great. And we'll put those links into the show notes as well so people can easily get to those online uh, to find out more about that. Hannah, it's a really important topic. I'm really glad that we've been able to have 10 minutes together to just talk a little bit about it and tease out some of the issues. And I really hope it's empowered and inspired our listeners to to really make this uh, a big thing, uh, not just another passing program, but something which actually will make a big difference in the lives of people in the UK. So Thank you so much, Hannah. It's been really great to chat. Thank you, Ray. And thank you for everyone for listening. This has been a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. You can find out more at jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. Bye-bye.